What is up, team? Welcome back to the Red Storm Rapid Reaction Podcast. I'm Pat Kane, and unfortunately, unfortunately, Rick Pitino's debut at the Garden did not go as hoped for the St. John's faithful. But we're a resilient bunch, aren't we, Cole? And a fan base that's been through the rigor for, for years. So this one more hiccup, this one more step along the way towards that greatness, the mountaintop Rick Pitino is surely going to bring us to, it's not going to deter me one bit, Cole. Did I love to see what I saw? Absolutely not. It tore my heart apart. But I will be there Thursday and the rest of the season cheering on St. John's and knowing this is just a blip in the radar, knowing St. John's and Rick Pitino will, in fact, turn this around and still have a successful season. What say you about that, Cole? Oh, no. We suck again. <laughs> uh, obviously, like, disappointed. That's not how we wanted Rick's first MSG game to go. But I think – the realists amongst our fan base probably understood it's going to take some time with 12, 13 new scholarship players. Like it, you can't just flip a switch and have those guys gel like overnight. I think the optimists among our, amongst our fan base, which now we've learned never to be optimistic about anything. St. John's probably hoped that one of the greatest coaches of all time could pull a miracle and get all these guys on the same page in a shorter matter of time. But I, I, I don't think that was very super realistic to have happen. And then obviously we're also missing RJ Luis, who we've seen great things already from um, Glenn Taylor Jr., who we've been raving about. Um, but like, let's not forget that Patino had originally said that he thought RJ was one of the best players and had the highest potential out of anybody on the roster. And so, you know, how much does the team change when he comes back from injury? So obviously bummed, but again, like, to be able to get that fast of a team to gel that fast. Like it's, I don't think nobody saw that nobody could have thought this would happen, but you know, it, sure. it's not completely unexpected. Sure. And yeah, I mean, even if you expectations for the season were set a little bit too high, it's still tonight you want to go out there and you think you could compete with a middle of the pack, big 10 team is perhaps better than middle of the pack. Michigan cer certainly has shown well early on, but predicted 11th, um, you'd think you would put up a better fight than this. So disappointing, of course, but still, nonetheless, of a, a no reason to, you know, throw this season away before it even starts again. Only up from here, like you mentioned, RJ Lewis will be a, a big-time addition, one player who I was extremely high on going into the season. And, and watching where we struggled tonight, you know, one game as it is, we really weren't getting into the paint and um, breaking down the defense off the dribble whereas Michigan was living in the paint all night. And while Luis isn't a point guard, he is a guy who can dribble and attack and get in the paint and, and make plays for himself and for others. So I think he'll help there. Plus having size athleticism on the wing can, you know, be a help. We saw how uh, St. John's got torched for some perimeter shooting tonight and, and in guards going by their wings, you know, constantly. And although I, I am a big fan of Taylor, I'm not sure how, how great he was for the second half tonight. He did he did make some good plays in the first half, had a, had a couple of nice defensive plays, but we needed some more offensive pop, and he wasn't really bringing that tonight. But um, Michigan's a good team. And, uh, you know, I the, the first 12 minutes of this game, Cole, was, was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, both teams came out firing, and the, the guard was hot, and we were making threes, and they were making threes. And uh, right up until, I mean, it was 37-35 Michigan with about – three minutes left in the first half. And then uh, Cruz Davis and I know Cruz Davis was in for the last three minutes. I'm not trying to pick on him. I just happened to notice that neither Wiltshire or Dennis were in to finish off the first half and Michigan 
uh, wasted no time to push that up to a 10-point lead going into halftime. And from that point forward, the game was was kind of lost. Uh, I'm not sure if, you know, Cruz was the reason for that to happen, but he certainly didn't make any great plays out there. Did force a shot up in the paint. Um, and Michigan was able to score pretty easily on the other end. So, you know, he'll bounce back. He's a young guy and, and not part of the immediate impactful rotation. But tonight he certainly didn't show uh, that well, I thought. Um, yeah, 100% agree with you. Like, at, to going into the half down by 10, like, that was when I started to worry. And then, obviously, the way we started the second half, the game was pretty much wrapped up early. But uh, going into halftime, um, if we just want to look at the first half, bench production. One of the things we thought going into the season, right, was how deep this team was that they had assembled. Um, we had four points from non-starters at halftime. There's two points by Conway and two points by Aline. It, you can't, you're not going to hang with a quality Big Ten team like Michigan, only having four points and a half from your bench players. Um, I thought, like you mentioned, the the first eight to 12 minutes was like a heavyweight boxing match, like so frenetic of a pace, like back and forth. Sure. But I think even, even in those early minutes when I thought it looked like we were playing well and we were obviously hanging with Michigan, some of those warts were already starting to show that I, I thought were really like indicative of the problems that we had all game. And that was defensive play by the guards. Um, who was it? Burnett, like just torched us, yeah. torched us in the first, well, I already have like 16 points. Six for the, six to start. Yeah. yeah. First, like, first eight minutes or first seven minutes of the game. Uh-huh. Um Jenkins and, and Dinkle played very poorly defensively um, all game long. Um, and like I was yeah, mentioning, Jenkins, Jenkins was getting getting torched all night defensively. And uh, yeah. as the game wore on and we were getting, you know, deeper and deeper in a hole, he kind of got a little bit more and more erratic. I didn't love seeing that. I would have liked to see him maintain his composure and kind of, you know, it's tough out there. And he had the ball in his hands, making play, making decisions, and it wasn't going well for him. But it looked like the, the game got the better of him tonight. And, um, you know, I'm sure he'll bounce back, but it wasn't a great showing for him either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, like I was talking about, like with depth, like our, our front court depth is really starting to show already. Um, I know we mentioned after the Stony Brook game, talking about like Drissa having to play major minutes and, and whether or not that would be a concern. I, he was relied on again today, really, to back up Ledlam. Um, does that change when RJ's healthy? Like we mentioned, do we then sort of go with that small lineup that you've been drooling over since all these signings first happened with you know Glenn Taylor and RJ on the court at the same time in the th- the three four um, role? But uh, with Trista having to back up Ledlam, I, I just don't think that's realistic. I'm not sure if you saw the post game quote from Patino, um, but he said to Fanta, "We did a good job putting this team together, but our front court depth is terrible." Is that what is that what we wanted to hear after Rick Pitino's first game at Madison Square Garden? Him making a, well, a telling telling quote like that. It's probably not what Zuby or Drissa wanted to hear, but <laughs> yeah. um, it sounds like it's close to you know the truth. And I'll go to war with those two guys, and we'll, we'll talk about led them a little bit later. Obviously, I'll go to war with Soriano as your center, and I think with him as your center, you can be a little bit, you know. I don't know what the word is. You can take a little more chances with your one through four out there with such a huge guy as your five. But as the game wears on and those minutes where, you know, Soriano's got to take a break, it's all that more amplified or magnified or however you want to phrase it. And um, Ledlam is a strong kid and he doesn't get back down, but he's not huge by any means. And he looked kind of small out there tonight, especially finishing around the rim. I know you mentioned that. Um, and I'm not going to throw him away for a one, one, and one for seven shooting night, but it did look like, 
you know, it's going to be hard to get super clean looks unless they're, you know, wide open looks of the layup. And that just, just doesn't happen that often. Um, but there's time. And I don't, I, by no means am I saying he's not a capable player at this level. I think he will be, even if it's not at the 16, 17 points per game capable level. I think he can play. I think he knows how to play. I think I saw a few nice passes that, you know, really show me a guy who understands the game. And as he gets more accustomed to finishing around bigger guys or, or, or more accustomed to not forcing shots against bigger guys, I think he'll settle into a nice, a nice piece and, and be a big part of what we do. But after him, if it's not Lewis, which is yet to be determined as a four, it is a stretch to see who's going to be getting a lot of minutes up at that front court. So Coach Patino's right, and you're right, and uh, we got to keep our fingers crossed that those two starters stay healthy and some of those other guys develop. Um, did you did you think that the starting lineup change was a, a smart move, or did it make a difference? I, don't, I mean, we played well those first 10 minutes, but both Taylor and Dingle got the start. Um, Dingle played – I thought well in the first five or so minutes that you know, first stretch we had where he played well, but he did seem to disappear in stretches and Dingle does a lot of the ball handling. And if I'm sorry, Danis does a lot of the ball handling. If Dingle's shots aren't falling, then I wonder if we will see him disappear at times. But uh, another guy I'm not going to write off by any means. I think there's a, a lot to be uh, said about this whole new role he's playing and, and not one to have to force shots early to kind of, you know, set a bad um, taste and get a, give a bad taste to everybody else. I think he's working his way in there and it's, it's a whole new adjustment. And then I, I, I don't think he forced many shots tonight. Um, and I think we're going to need him to perhaps start to force some and the offense will have to realize he's the best, the best bet we got at having a, a perimeter scoring option. Yeah, no, I, I think the starting lineup that we rolled out today was probably the right starting lineup. Um, the only thing, you know, if you're going to second guess anything, which I don't think we can, would be is Jordan Dingle 100% back and healthy at this point. I know when he first came back before the the Stony Brook game, the excuse for him not starting at that point was he still wasn't fully back in the basketball condition yet. If that's not the case at this point, then maybe you still have him playing somewhat less minutes and coming off the bench. Um, and, you know, we can talk more about like Danis and the game that he played today and, uh, and uh, our problems with that. But I do wonder at some point, does Jordan have to have the ball in his hands a little more, especially like if he's really the person who can create his own shot, um, especially as like shot clocks running low and he can create for himself off the dribble. Um, obviously he, you know, flirted with going pro after last season with Penn. Um, you would think that to be auditioning for the next level, he probably wants to be playing more of a facilitator, point guard role. Um, is is that an idea to sort of separate them with the two different units and have Jordan playing maybe a little more point guard or ball ball dominant guard role and let Danis sort of play that traditional point guard facilitator role with the first unit? I, you know, that would be. My only thoughts, um, but I, I agree with you. I thought Jordan played well, especially in the beginning, very beginning of the game. So I, yeah. he's, not, he's not on my list. No, yeah, well, I'm waiting to hear that list. I'm thinking it will take some time for those two guards to get accustomed to each other, but they're certainly, I'd say, one, both part of our best five-man group, one playing well. So I'd hate to throw away the experiment, you know, at the expense of it maybe being the best-case scenario as the season goes forward. But when Lewis does come back, that gives you another – piece where you could go bigger if you have Dingle at the one maybe you could play Lewis and Taylor together at the two three um kind of 
help alleviate some of those size problems up front. Um, maybe with Led Lum at the four and, and Soriano the five, that's a pretty unique and, and long lineup with, um, you need Dingle to really run the show scoring wise, but those other four guys are no slouches and you, you bring a lot of athleticism and size. You know me with my lineup school, don't get me started. I could uh, start really experimenting. Um, let's take a look at the box score while I think about it. Um, it's never as fun looking at the box score after a loss, but we do it anyway. Um, Soriano, big man again, led the way. He had 15 points, six three from the field, another solid shooting night. Um, it was hard to get him good, clean touches tonight, and Michigan was doing a good job swarming them, and they were just a big team. That first 10 minutes I had written down um, a lot of our, you know, pick-and-roll action with Soriano dragging to the paint and then the opposite wing lifting up for that action when the when the help defender, you know, has to help into the paint on uh, Soriano was working. We were getting open looks. We hit a few early on. We were 5 for 13, I think, from 3 early. They didn't last the rest of the game, but you could see how much that defense was – focused on stopping Soriano from getting open looks on the roll. And that leads to open threes on the perimeter. A lot of stuff similar to what we saw last year, but it was the other team getting them versus St. John. So you could see the coaching aspect there. And, you know, we were getting looks early on and adjustments were made by both teams and we stopped making shots. But um, we got a good guy at the helm to make those decisions the rest of the way. And I'm sure it will free up some shots for the rest of the guys. Uh, no one off the bench really had a great game. Actually, you know, I'll say – and the stats didn't bear it on the first half and those seven points he all got in the second half. But Zuby, I thought, played well in that three or four minute stretch in the first half, especially coming off you know, what we've seen from him in the first three games. He had a big rebound, was active defensively, was actually guarding the full length of the court and doing all right. I'm not sure I would have ever liked to see that, but um, you know, all five guys were doing it. But he slid his feet well and he was he was, you know, looked like he was being physical and not, you know, giving up any ground. So a solid bad bounce back, I thought, from Zuby. And like we said, we're going to need him big time as the season goes forward. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, like, rough game for Chris Ledlam. Um, I, I think he had a, a stretch there when uh, Michigan started making one of their runs in the first half where he had, like, three or four bad possessions in a row. But he's got a great first step. You know, he sort of has that pump fake up the top of the key and then is able to get around his defender. But – multiple times I think at least two of his turnovers were on that sort of drive where whether a guard was getting their hands in in a help position or he just dribbled the ball off his knee I think at one point so he's got to get tighter with his dribble um and then he really seemed to like lose confidence after that um after those few poor possessions but uh, I think what do you have five rebounds I think at least three of them were offensive you can still see like we talked about at the Sony game just like what a nose he has on the offensive glass which is huge but yeah. like you like you mentioned earlier he does especially against a big team like michigan who was running out a few 610 69 68 guys i think in their starting lineup like he did look noticeably smaller and you know you gotta wonder especially if zuby was struggling and we have you know again if drissa is going to be expected for major minutes we have such terrible front front court depth like i I wonder how often we'll look small at the four position like that. But um, Joel, I thought, played another great game. I'm sure you'll have the slide as him, the player of the game for us. But uh, but um, the only critique about Joel, and especially when he's playing next to a guy like Chris Ledlam, who's so small, is – does Joel really alter any shots on defense? Is He's never been a shot eraser for us. I, did he have any blocks today? Um, he had one block tonight. One block. We'll get to, if you would have waited for the slide that you. you know, <laughs> that we'll talk about. But I, I mean, 
with all, especially how they, the two guards, um, Dennis and, and Jordan Dingle played today, where they're just getting beat off the dribble every single possession. And we play this Rick Patino switching, helping defense. If you don't have a shot eraser protecting the paint on the back end of that, I think you're going to see a lot of times some where we struggle. And if the, there wasn't seemed like there was poor communication tonight on like the, the defensive switches and it led yeah. to a lot of open shots and Michigan really getting whatever they wanted, you know, whether it was coming to the basket, yeah. whether it was corner threes. Um, you bring up well, a great point because the defensive pressure is one of his staples and having a shot blocker like Dang and, you know, yeah. other guys in the past um, is a big part of that, allowing your guards to get on pressure because you're ine- inevitably going to get beat like we saw tonight. I wouldn't yeah. say Soriano is a terrible shot blocker, but he's definitely not an elite guy. I think yeah. there's been two years ago he, he had quite the good block rate last year, step back. But, um, yeah, he's not going to be bailing you out of all those, you know, guys getting beat situations. That's that's for sure. Um, I will say I thought he had a couple nice contests in the first half that were just threes buried in his face, you know. Um, I was re- I was ready to say like way to get out there, big fella, and then it was just three points. I think it happened twice right in front of Patino's face too. And how about twice we saw Ledlum the first play of the game and then once in the second half getting tripped up on those closeouts in the corner. Legitimately the same yep. thing twice, yep. and they buried him yep. both times. Um, but yeah, we'll be all right. Um, I thought Conway looked okay in the first half along the same lines as Zuby. That two point shot he made on the baseline showed a little athleticism, and he was he was active in the pick and roll. He wasn't just stationary; he was moving and and grooving, if you will, out there. So I think Conway might be a guy Patino goes to. I mean, he went to him first off the bench today. Um, you know, when we're stagnant or if we're not you know tough enough out there, and he can bring some energy. But he looks like more than just a stationary shooter out there. I don't think he's gonna, you know, break any records by any means, but I think he could be a contributor. And he's um, reasonably active on defense too. Um, yeah. And it, I think a few times in the Stony Brook game, we saw him get beat pretty badly, but I didn't. He didn't jump out of the screen. Um, he did drop that nice backdoor pass for a, a layup in the second half too. But uh, gotta yeah. get better there. Uh, let's talk about Wilcher, uh, Simeon. Um, mm-hmm. I was. I was, you know, looking to see him get more minutes in the second half just because he looks like he's, if anything, really focused on defense, ball pressure and working hard. Yeah. And um, Dennis was getting beat, and it wasn't like Dennis was lightening up and he was turning it over as well. So I thought tonight um, I would have liked to see Simeon get some more second-half minutes, especially in the garden, especially against a Big Ten team. It would have been a good opportunity for him. I think he was in – he did have three fouls, like, relatively early. I think he picked up that third foul, like, relatively fast in the, the beginning of the second half. Sure. But, yeah, sure. I mean, like, are you really concerned about him fouling three, out? Like, three yeah. fouls in eight minutes. He's getting his hacks in. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, I, I'm i not sure what we'll see the rest of the year. Obviously, there's talent there. It might be, you know, a, a thing where he needs to come back and have it be his team, and it's going to be hard for him to just fit in with these spot minutes as a freshman. Who knows? But you can tell um, his ball handling ability and his ability to create for others um, that he's he'll be a true great point guard for us um, in time. Um, you heard and, it here. You heard it from Cole think, right here. I think already you can see after the Stony Brook game, it was questioning what who is the backup point guard. He went to Cruz Davis first off the bench. Um and then already today for the Michigan game against real competition. That completely changed. Simeon was the first point guard off the bench. Um I think it was the beginning of the second half. You could tell Rick got frustrated with Dennis and Simeon was the first 
bench player to come in in the second half. Um, that I don't think we really saw any like marketable improvement with him in the game. But I mean, in my opinion, like what is a point guard, right? A point guard has to be like a steadying force, an orchestrator, someone who can facilitate for others, someone who can be under control of the game and not be frenetic. And unfortunately, frenetic would be the best way to describe Dennis Jenkins' game today. I was really underwhelmed with him. For sure, out of your starting point guard, you can't have a two-to-one turnover to assist ratio going the wrong way. Um, it was a concern after the Stony Brook game, but uh, he had a tremendous game against Stony Brook today. He didn't play as well in the other the other perspective of the game and the other different yeah. Um, well, but to then not do anything from a facilitator and taking care of the ball perspective, uh, he. I, I obviously Rick has a tremendous amount of faith in him and obviously him and Rick will get it squared away, but you can't have that many turnovers through two games yeah. and, and be able to compete against a team like Michigan. So agreed. Agreed. Um, I think he's Dennis. I said this after the first game where he played extremely well, but still had that turnover issue. I think there'll be nights where his talent um, will shine through and he'll be one of the better players in the Big East for stretches or for complete games. He's got that type of all-around ability. He can dribble, he can pass, he can shoot. He's athletic, he's tall. Um, he's got skills everywhere, but the consistency is what kind of scares me early on. Um, can he keep it up and play at that top level for a long stretch? If he does, if he can, I think we'll be a really good team. If he can't, well, we're going to have to find some different ways to be effective from that lead guard spot. But like you said, him and Rick go way back, so I'm, I'm looking forward to them, you know, straightening that ship out. Um, there you have it, Cole. Player of the game, Joel Soriano. In a 16-point losing effort, um, we still going to give out that award. 15 points, six for eight shooting, nine rebounds, one big block. Thank you, Cole, in 25 minutes. Um, some of those team comparison stats, you can see where the difference was. I mean, Michigan not lightening up the scoreboard by any you know stretch by 52 percent for a game surely is good enough to get you a win on the road especially compared to our 36 percent from the field and that's a big difference there um from three as well 42 percent for michigan 33 percent for us uh free throw line neither team shot well but i thought this one might have been behind us cole 59 percent from the free throw line 10 for 17. Um, not going to help you get it done especially when you're fighting from behind mm-hmm. The assists, 17 for them, 11 for us. Can't can't have that. Turnovers, 13 for them, 16 for us. Kind of tells the same story. Um, St. John's was, was beat in most areas tonight, aside from second-chance points. But a lot of that was due to the fact that we were shooting so poorly. Um, but, you know, a Big, Ten, a Big Ten team came into the garden in Coach Patino's debut, and they, they had the way with us. And hopefully we can learn some good lessons here and get better from it because uh, there's going to be some – some tests along the road that are better than this Michigan team. And hopefully, you know, we don't get embarrassed like this the rest of the season. It won't be Rick's last loss at the garden. Um, and it won't be our last chance for a major out of conference win under Rick Pitino. So True. better days True. are ahead. Yep. And we'll be there. Oh, we won't be there in person. We will be there for Sony or for uh, Holy cross the 25th tickets came in the mail today, folks. I won't be backing down, uh, North Texas this Thursday. We'll get back to it. Um, Nice little Charleston Classic tournament, a chance for us to forget about this Michigan game, you know, maybe get three straight wins in four days, come out of there with some hardware and a whole new team heading through the rest of November and into December. Um, for who do we got? David Kane? People with the namesake. Okay. Uh, I'm Pat Kane. That's Cole Adshaw. This has been the Red Storm Rapid Reaction Podcast. Peace.